Latvia Weekly Interviews with Joe Horgan and Otto Tobuns. Latvian VCM, and welcome to a very special interview episode of the Latvia Weekly Podcast. I'm Joe Horgan, and for those of you who have listened to this show before, you know that generally what I do with my good friend and colleague Otto Tobuns is that each week we read through the news and we discuss it and we give our analysis and takes on it, try to do a little bit of a digest for people who want to follow the Latvian news but don't have the time to do it every single day or the language skills to do so. But what I also like to do with this show, as much as I can, is try to have interviews with, uh, well, interesting people throughout the country. Maybe not people who are grabbing, you know, the headlines, but people who are doing some interesting work in some way. And unfortunately, I don't always have as much time as I wish to do this because as those of you who've listened to the podcast know before, you know, I'm generally a full-time teacher and Otto also is, is very busy as well. Um, but one person who does do this on a weekly basis and has made this into the theme of his own podcast, his own English-speaking podcast here in Latvia, is my guest today, and that is Mr. Fabrizio uh, Marciante, uh, which I hope I did not completely butcher your name with my, with my bad pronunciation. But Fabrizio, thank you so much for joining me on the show tonight. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm very happy to be here. So, um, Fabrizio, how did you decide to start out the uh, Kula podcast? Well, uh, I, I think it, it all started with the, with the pandemic because I've always been a bit creative. Uh, it's something that it always been some sort of therapy for me to therapy in the sense of like just to have some initiative towards writing or uh, I'm originally a writer, so I like to write, but uh, writing for me always been not, it's always been not extremely, um, what's the word, Joe? Like when you do it, when you do it persistently. So it's always a bit like a, it depends uh, what, what part of my life I can dedicate to writing. Sometimes I dedicate a lot. Sometimes I just forget about it for two months. So I needed something with a pandemic mm. that would create some entertainment since I wasn't going out too often. And since I'm a very social person, uh, as you could probably tell the way that I, I like to talk. Mm. <laughs> so I, I needed to create those situations. I need to create those situations by being in the house. And in uh, in the last uh, two years or three years, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts some great ones from United States, like a, some maybe Italian podcast. I've been mm-hmm. doing, I've been listening constantly to podcasts. So during the pandemic, I kind of had a, uh, an epiphany at some point where I said, why don't I do my own podcast mm-hmm. since everybody's doing it? And, uh, it, you know, um, it doesn't feel like it takes too much and I can, I can, I, I know some people here because I teach English. So I get the chance by teaching English, you get to you get the chance to know so many people that do very specific jobs and all that. So I got that channel, I got that outlet. So I, the pandemic got me to start doing the podcast, and uh, in order to create those situations where I could socialize, and and it's been four months now, pretty much. That's the reason why I started. Yeah, well, you've already been very very consistent. I mean, one of the hardest things when doing a podcast is not just, you know, recording it, uh, 
you know, once in a while, but, but being able to actually do it consistently and, you know, being able to put it out every week. So you've done a, done a good job of doing that so far. So, um, I want to take a look at the name Kula because that's, uh, that's a topic that we've talked about before in Lotme Weekly. I think that might've been one of our words of the week at one point, but, uh, maybe you can explain to our listeners, uh, who aren't familiar with that word. What, what is Kula in Latvian? Well, uh, uh... Apparently, correct me if I'm wrong, it should be some burning grass uh, that uh, happens during the burning grass season, I think. Uh, um, what was the burning grass season a lot? Yeah. I would say... Well, it's right now, basically. My wife and I were just driving a few days ago uh, with, with the kids, and yeah, we, we drove by a few kind of like worryingly uh, black plumes of smoke where we're hoping that that's just cooler. But, but yeah, it's basically... Yeah, it's it's like the leftover dead grass from the year before, which traditionally yeah. people get rid of by by burning, and uh, you know yeah. it, it's it's really interesting because that's such a Latvian cultural kind of uh, I don't know institution or, or or a concept that you know is is very very Latvian, and also this idea of if this kind of like leftover kind of junk, um, you know that, that that needs to be burnt needs to be. Turned into turned into smoke. So, uh, how how exactly did you decide to name your podcast like that? So, you know, does it ever happen to you? I don't know. Have you ever been in that situation where there's no depth? There's not a lot of depth in in the way that actually this thing was conceived at the beginning. Because I remember I was uh, way before I I would I would think about starting a podcast. I was maybe two years ago. I was in Sabile, hmm. in Kurzeme, as you know. And what a beautiful town! And um, oh, yeah. and we were walking, and it was the the Kula season. Let's put it like that. So I, I actually pointed that to my girlfriend, and she told me the whole thing, the Kula thing, or oh, that's cool, that's Kula, and whatever. And then some time would pass, and eventually I would I, I would struggle to come up with an idea for the podcast. So I had different ideas in my mind, but you actually explained it better than me because being a native English speaker. I needed something that would symbolize a trade union between uh, Latvian and English, mm-hmm. and at the same time being a bit cool. And uh, so the Kula podcast, at the beginning, it didn't feel, it didn't, it didn't sound very, very pleasant at the beginning. But then all of a sudden, it became something round and interesting and compact. But the funny thing is that the other day, a friend of mine kind of was pushing me into giving to to give to to give into it some sort of depth to it which has never been there but mm-hmm. but at the same time you could always say that we're all burning grass i mean we all can buy, but originally originally there was no such thing i mean it was just a way to put together the fact that it is a podcast about people that live in latvia or they have any connection with latvia they don't have to live in latvia they have to have any connect any sort of connection with latvia and this is enough but it will be, it is in english so mm-hmm. it's a way to actually you know, um, present uh, some a, a picture of Latvia through to all the rest of a people that don't speak Latvian pretty much. So I don't know if it's no, yeah, does it makes sense. No, it's cool. No, I, I think uh, a lot of the greatest <laughs> names or ideas, you know, pe- people will assume that there was this huge, massive thought process necessarily behind it, and you know, but 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 that's a great name, though. I mean, you know, it, it's something that starts out as kind of like this little joke or this kind of throwaway thing, but but it's very evocative. I think it, it's I, yeah. I I love it. I mean, it, it's I think the the Thank perfect you. name for for a chat podcast. And so you mentioned just a second ago that basically you want to interview uh, 
all kinds of people who are connected with Latvia in some way. I mean, kind of like, um, you know, what I what I try to do occasionally when I when I have time, when I'm able to, you know, right right now, um, Fabrizio, I'm, I'm so thankful that you're joining me at uh, 9.30 at night. But so I, I also teach media to my students as well. So I, I teach, you know, podcasting, interview and these different things. And one thing that I try to impress upon people is that interviewing is not easy. Because I've I've had students who have gone into interviews, you know, they've interviewed some, um, you know, d- different uh, uh, people, you know, uh, all, all I mean, musicians, maybe politicians, all, all kinds of different people they've, they've interviewed. And sometimes people go into it thinking, okay, yeah, I'm just going to sit down and talk and chat. And they realize, oh, darn it, uh, <laughs> this is a lot harder than I thought it was, because you really have to prepare ahead of time. You really have to know what you want out of the interview, uh, or at least to have some kind of vision of where this conversation might go or, or what you want the conversation to be. You know, you can't just come up with like one or two questions and then just ask them and then, oh, that's it. So, and and I've had interviews. I mean, those of you who've listened to the show before, you know, I've had some interviews that are more successful, less successful, ones that I look back on and go, oh, I wish that had gone differently. I wish, you know, it, it's, it's, it's difficult because you want it to be a free conversation, but, you know, you, you have to kind of steer it a certain way. But I, I, wa- I want to hear from you. So, you know, how, how do you go about this process of interviewing and you know what what is a successful interview for you i guess all, all the ones that i most of the ones that i listen to that are not mine so far because i i totally welcome what you're saying i mean in the sense that uh, it has to start with a humbling uh, in the sense that for example personally i noticed when i started doing this podcast that i was very worried at, at the beginning no not only about what they the quality of the the communication that would come from my guest, but I also was particularly worried about me, about what I would say or things like that. Uh, so I kind of realized that I that I had to come up with an idea in advance or with some questions in a way, almost like directing or coaching or some sort of like um, I have to forget about me and my personal contribution, and I'm still learning to do that. That's why I'm not particularly happy with my interview yet. But sometimes I, I'm happier with the fact that the guest is more mature than me in actually bringing the conversation to something interesting. I'm I'm still a novice with that. And I realize very slowly that uh, um, that it, you have to put yourself in a, in a secondary spot. And if there is a primary spot with you, it has to do with coaching, with trying to uh, model your... Uh, your questions according to the character and plan them in advance. I'm very far away from that. But one thing is that you learn a lot and you learn a lot of stuff that you can use slowly in your everyday life apart from recording. So you learn to listen more, I would say. And I realized that I started doing that a bit late in my life with this because I'm 36. Of course, I've been a bit better than when I was a teenager, I like to say, but the podcasting interviewing thing is is some sort of uh, humbling and it tells you that uh, there have to be less interruption there has to be more listening and you have to be open to different avenues and i'm still despite some podcasts that i've done are definitely better than some others i would say but i'm still a novice at it so i totally welcome what you're saying is is an art but it's also it also very humbling yeah definitely and um you know going back to this idea of coaching you know, certain people, at least in my experience, because I, I, I don't even know how many interviews I've done at this point, but uh, and, and not just on this podcast, but, you know, I, I did uh, college radio before that as well. But some people are, um, it, it's a total range, 
because sometimes you'll get people who are just terrified of a microphone and are fascinating people, but will give like, you know, one, two word answers and just want it to be over with. And it's just, oh, you know, at that, at that point, you're, you know, you, you feel less like a coach, like you said, more like a, um, you know, like a heart surgeon who's, you know, like clear, trying to like bring, I, bring this back to life. <laughs> and can I tell like, you very quickly about that? Very sorry, Joe, very yeah. quickly. I want to, I want to take advantage of that. It has happened to me. And I, I, I'm not too happy about that, but sometimes I react to that when, I, when there is a very shy guest, almost like a filler. I have to fill the, I have to still make a, a listenable product, but because silence cannot be a type of communication if it's too long. So when it's like that, and sometimes it happens that there is a very shy guest. Uh, I mean, Latvians are extremely interesting people, but sometimes they can be a bit more introverted than Italians. We know that. But... But the thing is, I react to it in a way that all of a sudden I save the podcast because I'm talking more. There is communication, but it's not it's not what I want because yeah. I'm uh, you see what I'm saying? I'm filling the gap too much. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. no. That, I mean, that, that's that's exactly right. I mean, that, yeah, that, that's that's exactly my point. And I'm, I'm glad that uh, I'm not the only one who's experienced that. But 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 it happens. I mean, you know, it also happens. Uh, in education also when I've had guest lecturers come in where like it's this person who's just absolutely fascinating but they just can't communicate what they you know the, the amazing things about them the amazing you know interesting things about them and then and then yeah it's, it's a it's a very it's a very big challenge but then on the other hand you know I'm, I'm sure you've had this happen before as well there'll be certain guests who you know you almost have to wrestle with a little bit just to for example stay on topic just to just because because uh, certain people you know can completely take over the conversation and you know even if it is an interview you know might just end up going on you know rants in one direction or and another then, and then you think oh my goodness how long am i going to have to sit down and edit this and is this person going to get offended if i you know cut this down from like 90 minutes to like a more manageable <laughs> size yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely there are there is a there are a bunch of things that you either learn on the how do you say on the on the field yeah. There are some things that you learn by interviewing people. Like I remember when I interviewed you, actually, I, I brought home an important lesson because there was a point where, for example, I was, because this is, I'm, I'm new to this. So I, I brought up something with, a, we were talking about uh, a, a sadder topic on that day. And we were talking, we were giving a bit of a history. Uh, we were talk, I, I brought up the Omon, uh, you know, the barricade time in Riga and uh, you promptly, but I brought it up in a way that it was a bit ambiguous. And you promptly answered and said, oh, yeah, let's give a bit of a background. By the way, this is what it was. And uh, so for the, for, the, for the audience, because necessarily the fact that you are very specific, the fact that I could say Omon barricade, it doesn't necessarily have to be known by everyone, or especially in those terms. So it's nice to see somebody that helps you and that promptly gives a bit of a um, history background to it because otherwise people will say, what, what is he talking about? Yeah. And there is that situation over there. So you always learn. And also you're right. There is the situation where sometimes people just get lost in tangents. I'm one of them, by the way, sometimes. And I try, <laughs> I open, a, I make a lot of preambles and, uh, and I struggle. You probably noticed that. And I struggle to get one instead of the other. But again, because of the fact that I'm listening to it and sometimes I'm editing stuff, I'm actually learning what I need to fix and I'm trying to bring these conversations in my in my life outside the podcast because you can learn more 
you know, in a conversation that is not recorded. When you listen to someone, you can learn. You can use podcasting as a workshop to be a better listener in life. This is what I'm trying to say. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree with everything that you've said so far. Definitely, I've, I've experienced that as well. Um, yeah, uh, go, going going back a second, though, to, um, you know, what, what you mentioned about the uh, long preambles. You know, I, I think that that's a tendency which Americans are made fun of quite a bit. I don't know. I don't know if this is true of Italians, but uh, at least among British journalists, Americans mm. are always made fun of for asking these like four or five part questions where you, the, the question is so long that by the time that it's, t it's time to answer it, you know, and you can, you can, you can go on so many different like American TV shows, you know, interview shows, uh, even American podcasts and, and listen to, you know, and, and by, by the time the question is actually out, you know, the guests will have to, you know, say, excuse me, like, so what, what, what do you want me to answer? Cause it'll be like a comment. It'll be like three separate questions. And then, you know, like question within a question, you, you'll go inception level. So, and some of them are very, very opinionated. Some yeah. of them actually, some of those questions have the answer masqueraded in it already. Yeah. The, 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 right. There is Loaded like a, a journal. Yeah. This is like a, the, in Italy happens all the time. And it's funny when it happens in sports as well, because sometimes the, the, the soccer's don't have the patience nor the vocabulary to, so to answer to those questions. Mm -hmm. But sometimes that's not a question. It's actually an excuse for the journalist to put a narrative over there. Oh, and sure. to to just come up with his own opinion. Yeah. Oh yeah, and and I think uh, <laughs> Americans are at least among the English speaking world were notorious for this. So so it's it's something that I have to fight against because I, I grew up in the, you know, American talk radio. I I used to listen to tons and tons of talk radio with my dad, you know, a, a, AM talk radio and you know th that's kind of my my upbringing. That's my, you know, just you know, paradigm when it comes to yeah. uh, speaking radio and everything, which you know is interesting. Like when when I when I do it with Otto, I mean, he he comes from a completely different tradition, so you know, we we kind of have this like uh, mix and this little back and forth there, which I think works well. I have to say very quickly, uh, I don't want to get lost in a tangent, but when I moved to Latvia, which was 2018, and I always like to cycle around. As soon as I got some time off, I cycled to Pardaugava because there's one of my beautiful areas to go and get lost and whatever. And I usually listen to a podcast and I, I so many times uh, I, it was such a cozy company to listen to you too. Um, if, okay. Clearly it is a, it's not necessarily like a podcast. It's more like a, like, like news, you know, like, so there is a, there is a different atmosphere. News are usually not as cozy per se as a conversation, like the one that we have in now, which is going to be part of Latvia weekly, by the way. But what I mean it's like for a foreigner, for an expat that is getting lost in the streets in Pardaugava, to have two people like you guys to actually tell you the, to, to, to tell you about things that uh, you are involved in because all of a sudden you live in Latvia. So things that have to do with you all of a sudden and whatever and everything has always been very nice to me. I have to, sorry, just a... Well, thank you. It's <laughs> But I actually, I want to go back actually to, to you mentioning being a foreigner coming over here. That was the next topic I wanted to talk about. I'm sure you get this question all the time. Oh, this is probably the question uh, that wish. people ask you the most. <laughs> so uh, how'd you end up here? Yeah, I got that. They asked me that question before. You're right, actually. Now that you asked me the question, I actually recognize this straight away. Yeah. I mean, it's a question um, I get asked the most by like all, all yeah, over. Yeah, yeah, besides, yeah. Besides, where are you from? What? They always smile when I when I bring up uh, that I met my girlfriend. In the, they always say, "Oh, yeah, that's why. That's why you said it." But pretty much, I was I had moved away from Sardinia where I grew up. Uh, I think I was twenty five, and I moved to London, and I spent 
eight years in London. I would I, I would spend eight years in London, but um, and I would meet my girlfriend there, which is with me now. And my girlfriend uh, is from Latvia. So I, at some point, halfway uh, through my stay in London, which at the very beginning was very exciting for somebody that was 25 years old and he was living on his own. And all of a sudden it became too much, like a metropolis becomes too much. I was... Uh, I didn't consider it, and I don't consider it for me a healthy city uh, nowadays. So I was looking for, while I was there with my girlfriend, we were both looking for a reality that uh, was more calm and uh, where relationship with nature was a bit stronger and um, and there was space and maybe uh, all these things together. And my girlfriend manifested the will to maybe wanted to go back to Latvia and and I and I already at the time I was coming often to Latvia to visit her family. And I realized every time that I would come over, I realized that uh, I really liked it and that he felt everything that London wasn't and that nature, culture and uh, this. Uh, I was really passionate about this tribal roots and the fact that he that I'm not I didn't study history, so they Never I, I would uh, uh, maybe get so much informed about a country that it was so different from my country, like like Italy, Latvia, and uh, all these things together. I started watching movies when I was in London and uh, getting passionate about it. So we decided to, to move in 2018. And um, uh, yeah, so pretty much it. We were looking for a reality that was a bit more, uh, I would like to say human in the sense that... Um, Okay, nobody knows that people that are, are born in London, how do they feel when they reach 50 years old or 60 or 70? Or people that are born in the metropolis. I don't know. I'm not those people. But me, I come from a smaller reality. So, like, Cagliari is, is uh, 600,000 people in Sardinia. So, I think that eventually I would always kind of miss that kind of reality. And, uh, and I'm considering myself lucky that I made the decision when I in my 30s instead of postponing it after in my retirement time or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I feel a bit, I feel lucky to be early to have taken that decision. So yeah, that's how I ended up here pretty much. What then keeps you here? Uh, so this, the answer to this question has changed already in three years, I guess. That's a tough question. Uh, well, definitely more than one reasons otherwise it would be easy so i would say definitely to make it quick uh, to make it clear at least i would say the fact that i love my partner and i and um and i love this uh, scenario that is around me um now the approach of my my relationship with latvia changes in the way that sometimes it changes for what is called a what is called the culture shock or something like that. I don't know what it is. It's got stages, apparently. At the beginning, you are very excited. Then you just, uh, mm -hmm. after that, you enter a phase of maybe call it, uh, it's got a name, it's criticism maybe, but, but it, constructive criticism. I'm not talking about deliberate negative criticism. So you, you mm -hmm. I think I'm in that stage when I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, they how do you call it they the vapors of the relationship they they, they the initial excitement has disappeared yeah. a bit and now i'm actually trying to understand this reality a bit more mm -hmm. what stays is the fact that i love uh, i love everything that i see but i'm not infatuated anymore now i'm more like i'm trying to understand how this society works and how people are 
uh, from a curiosity point of view. So now that's what keeps me here. And, um, and the fact that uh, together with the fact that is, it feels like some sort of backyard in Europe, it feels calmer than the Europe that I know, than the rest of Europe that I know. And that that always going to be there like a reason because I always compare it to my eight years in London. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? I always compare that to the crazy metropolis. So being here for me is always some sort of uh, privilege in that way. But my approach with, the, with Latvia is changing, not negatively, but it, it, I'm, I think it's normal. I'm, I'm growing up in it a bit. Mm-hmm. And, I, and the podcast is useful to that because it allows me to try, try to catch the reality that only people can give you when you talk to them. Of course, you can read them. I like to read a lot about Latvia. But when you have a person in front of you, it's more exciting because there are many dynamics when you interview them and there's something that no, they're not, uh, you know, Joe, they're not maybe comfortable in talking about and maybe they try to uh, divert to another conversation. Every person is a way, is a, is a different world. And But one thing that we everybody has in common, like you as an American, you got something in common with Americans. You, you, you Joe Organ, you, you, an individual in full, but you got something in common with Americans or maybe with people from Maine more specifically. I'm Italian. I got something in common with that culture. I was raised in that culture. And in Latvia, the interesting thing being another country is the fact that now I'm really trying to critically understand how people are. And um, mm. and this this is the second stage, I guess. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. The four, you know, th- this is something I actually teach my students because I because I teach um, a little bit of uh, sociology to or English to sociology students. So so this is something that we talk about. But those those stages are uh, like the honeymoon stage, the kind of like frustration yeah. stage, adjustment, and then acceptance. So you're you're still kind of between. Yeah, I I would say you're more in the adjustment stage because that that's when you know you kind of feel more more comfortable and familiar and understand things and are trying to. Yeah, just in a certain no, way. you're right. It's not. The, it's not the second one. You're right. If I think I'm past frustration. It's more like a frustration. What comes and goes. It's not nothing that stays. But yeah, it's more like a. How did you call it? Adjustment. That's the yeah. one, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Trying and to trying to absorb as much as you can. Also, yes. Go ahead. No, 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 no. I, I um. Uh... I just think it's interesting that you mentioned that because I was I was going to ask you this. This is literally like the next question I was going to ask you when when I was listening, but you kind of already answered it for me. If uh, you know, Kula is part of that process. You know, is is part of that process of adjusting and and trying to understand people on a deeper level. And I think it's interesting because, you know, um, for me, doing Latvia Weekly has been a great excuse for me to keep completely up to date with all the news that's happening in Latvia because I because I have to you know I mean like there, there are certain weeks where I might not be following things as closely as possible because you know I've, I've been really busy with work or you know my you know it, it's it's difficult to to watch the news and uh, li- listen to the radio every single day but then I have yeah. to kind of go back and see what happened oh that happened oh wow I, I didn't hear that or wow well, you know you know so so you and then I have to like read through like oh wow how did, how did I miss this you know this this was Tuesday what you know so so it's a great excuse you know, to, um, to do that, to, to, to keep things regularly. And, you know, and, uh, you know, th- these interviews as well that, that I love to do, it's a great excuse to, to get to meet people and have these deeper conversations. So I, th- I think it's interesting that, you know, you mentioned this, that uh, the podcasts are a great excuse to, you know, get, get to know something deeper. And for, for you, it's like a lot being society on a deeper level. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and also, again, 
again, the podcast becomes a workshop for those times where you meet people outside the podcast and you can have a, because of this kind of, allow me the word, silly urgency of actually, it's not silly, actually that urgency of, of making a good pro, of making a good, good contents pretty much. Yeah. Because of the urgency, all of a sudden you are, you are different already. You're going out for a beer and maybe you are, you are prone to have a conversation that is going to be better anyway now because you're not in a rush, you're not prejudiced too much and all those things. So, and I think like, allow me to say this, I don't want to sound too like a, um, make saying grand things or whatever, but this is the revolution of what podcasting has represented in my opinion, because all of a sudden we are able to, for example, now we're talking, me and you, we're talking like this. We don't have like massive editing. We don't have like uh, the, the traditional radio, like, uh, I don't know, we don't have a script. We don't have anything like that. So this is a conversation that me or you, we could have in a cafe Nita somewhere mm -hmm. or something like that. So you, you, a long form podcast, whatever that is, you get the chance to grab the nuances of a person and to understand maybe something that would allow us ultimately not to not to have prejudices because reality is is ultimately gray in this sense and the best way to represent joe organ or represent fabrizio would be to actually have this uh, conversation where we don't know when we finish and we're not in a rush and uh, okay clearly today we're not going to go on probably we're very busy you're very busy but at least we don't have a script we just have some ideas that we want to throw over there and um, and if we adopt the same idea that we that we adopt in being a guest or a host of a podcast with that uh, preoccupation towards the final product, if we adopt them outside podcasting or doing radio or whatever, we are going to learn more, in my opinion. And uh, and this is something fairly recent, I would say, podcasting. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a very democratic thing. Like you, like you were kind of. Um... Uh, kind of getting to this this idea that pretty much anyone can do it and, and a lot of people do do it and you know so uh it's it's very cool you know that, that's one of the i think positive things of this new kind of era um of uh of technology there's a lot of pluses and minuses certainly uh but you sure. know, one, one of the things is that that any anybody kind of has a platform now and you know that there uh, isn't the same kind of gatekeeping that necessarily would have happened, you know, where you might need to know a connection, you might have to know somebody to be able to get on the radio. And, you know, now just yeah. you know, everybody has a microphone in their camera, uh, in their phone, everyone has a microphone in their computer and, you know, can, can at least get out there. Yeah. So, um, getting, um, <laughs> getting a little bit philosophical, as you kind of uh, mentioned oh. a little bit, getting, getting back to your identity. So, you know, when I talk to different foreign guests who have come here, you know, one, one question or also people who have gone elsewhere, you know, one one question I love to ask is about this, you know, role of um, you know, your your Italianness, for example, as part of your identity. Because because for me, you know, it's on one hand, I kind of feel a lot more American than I ever have in my life after coming to Latvia. Because suddenly, you know, I, I didn't ever feel particularly American when I lived in the United States because I was just one out of many, and I there was nothing, you know, extremely American you know, uh, compared to mm -hmm. compared to other people who I would say like, oh, that's a true American right there. You know, like this is a really stereotypical American. I never really felt like that. But suddenly when I'm the only American in my city, you know, then uh, then I do feel a lot more American. But on the other hand, you know, in a lot of ways, just in the way I speak, for example, the way I behave, I feel like I've become a lot less American, you know, a lot less stereotypically American, at least over the last, uh, I guess, almost nine years that I've been here. So I wanted to hear from you 
how how do you how do you feel do you do you feel more or less maybe italian uh in in your time away from italy you know in in london and also here in uh riga than than maybe you did before or, or is it is it complicated as well it is complicated what i understand from it because is what i what i can grasp out of the way that i relate to this um do I feel Italian? In uh, I, I feel I feel Italian in the in the within the limits of the fact that uh, I grew up there, and there are some traits of my character that are common to Southern Italians in the sense that, uh, like, um, I, I spare you those tra- traits. Maybe being extrovert or things like that, mm-hmm. but it stops there. I don't have an awareness, probably because I've been away for, uh, what is it, since 2010 now, so 13 years, almost 13 years I've been away from, from home. And, um, and also, I don't, there are some aspects of my character that uh, they're not particularly happy about identifying myself with a nation. I'm not too, I'm not too happy about the, despite it, it brought plenty of, uh, good things in the world. The idea, the recent idea of nations. I think uh, that he that he that he has meant uh, many beautiful things, uh, coincided with many beautiful things and many civil rights and everything. I'm not too I'm not too happy in associating myself too much with my nationality, but not because I'm squeamish about my nationality. Not because of that, because I know that there is so much good and so much uh, bad stuff in Italy as in any country. But because it just I don't feel it. And uh, the more I talk to people like you, and the more I, t- I get to know Latvians, I tend to recognize myself Italian because I grew up there, and some traits of my character and my culture are in me. But I don't like I don't like to indulge too much in the in identifying myself in Italy and making it something possibly uh, helping with the word Joe possibly. Um, making it like a big deal in a conversation not mm-hmm. with the one that we have in now absolutely we're talking about but i don't i don't like to place nationality as something that is too topical when having a conversation despite mm-hmm. it doesn't have anything to do with your question i'm answering your question but <laughs> for example i don't know i don't know if it's clear yeah no no i i think i, I think i understand i mean you know it, it does um get into this toxic potentially issue of yeah. uh you know of, of nationality and, and nationalism which has definitely led to a, led, led to a lot of um tricky things but you know in, in terms of um yeah identifying with a particular culture or a particular ethnicity you know that that, that can be that, that can lead to um some things it can lead to some you know very beautiful things but but also you know when when it's a when it's abused um some some very nasty things as well so i i can i can appreciate that but if I may add something, I need to recognize my limits with this because, for example, it comes definitely from the fact that uh, as an Italian, our history is not that recent like in Latvia in terms of a struggle for identity to have an awareness that is as strong as in Latvia. Mm-hmm. And of course, it doesn't have to be necessarily tending to extreme nationalism. Um, we don't necessarily have to have the conversation. I think that uh, there has to be an a allow me a cult of national identity that has to be used in order to produce uh more inclusivity in that sense we can do that we can be under the 
the, the Italian flag, but we can use our idea, our values, but we have to include people in it. Mm -hmm. And um, and if there is a there is a there, if that represents like some color, like a like a soccer club, that we got Italy, we got we got Germany, or whatever. We using those colors to represent the, what we can grant to people that wants to come to Italy, and what are our tradition. Uh, I'm totally for it. So it doesn't have to be necessarily. I, I can, I'm totally fine with that. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't have to be necessarily something that uh, has to have to do with uh, national extreme nationalism or whatever. But I realize that I don't spend too much time thinking about the the way that uh, national identity can be used in a better way, because I see it too often used in the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> so so I, I see very often. In my, for example, in my country, that uh, is being used uh, to to not to not to include, but to exclude. So mm -hmm. it's very difficult for me. I, I lose the passion in believing that it can be used positively, but it can. It can be used positively. Yeah, certainly. I mean, it, it's it's like with anything, you know, with with any kind of issue. Yeah. But um, so we we do have to uh, wrap up pretty soon because I think we both have to go to bed uh, fairly soon. We both have to to teach tomorrow. Um, but uh, I've got uh, one, one kind of like last question to finish up with a little bit, and that is, in general, you know, what has surprised you the most about Latvia? Surprised you? Well, okay. Well, like, I would find out that, uh, for example, okay, perfect. When I first arrived, I was trying to put people in boxes easily. Mm -hmm. So I was trying. I was kind of tending to do that. So, for example. I arrived to Latvia in a way that I was very full because of the stuff that I read. I was very full of this um, uh, um, kind of a struggle, kind of um, like ra ethnic Russians and Latvians not getting along. I, mm. I, I, I kind of I came from London uh, by reading some literature and talking to people, and I thought that this thing was still pretty much alive. It probably is at some point. But I would realize that there are so many, so many situations out there that are so unpredictable. For example, you could you could meet a ethnic Russian now that is totally pro Latvia. You can you can meet, uh, um, uh, for example, some uh, families where maybe some Latvians are pro Russia. <laughs> it can happen that as well, or pro what's going on right now. But I, it was a, almost a stupid surprise. But I arrived when I was expecting this. Uh, some sort of a caricatured reality where the 90s were still happening. Mm -hmm. The kind of 90s struggle was still happening. But actually, I realized that the situation is more peaceful than what I thought, and it's very much unpredictable when you meet a person. It doesn't matter the surname. The surname doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter uh, what they, the way that they talk. Maybe they can have a very specific and nuanced idea about something, but that they have something totally different, unexpectable, unexpected about something else so i in that way i surprised myself but maybe i don't know does it make sense oh certainly yeah i mean i think i think um just about anywhere that you go in the world you know there, there yeah. is that you you have your assumptions ahead of time and then the, the more you meet people you know the, these assumptions that you make right away you know they it gets more complicated over time it's, it's just like the the curve I, I can't remember the name of the curve off the top of my head but uh you know when people start learning about something originally they they feel very very confident they know everything about it and then the more they learn they realize oh wow actually i don't really know yeah, anything yeah. and you know i, I think we all yeah. go through that also, so. yeah and also absolutely and um 
And it was a beautiful surprise because maybe it was very predictable because, as you said, uh, it's something that is very likely to happen. But but it was such a beautiful surprise that actually teaches you not to be too prejudiced about some situation and, and, and listen to the whole thing and listen to the whole, to everything that the other person wants to say. And uh, yeah, I would say that, but you, mm. yeah. Well, anyway, um, I think that's just about all the time we have for this conversation. But if you enjoy these kinds of conversations, then you can look on YouTube for the Kula podcast and listen to a lot more of uh, these uh, discussions which uh, Fabrizio has with all kinds of very interesting people. Uh, Otto and I will be back in just a few days to discuss the latest news that's happened here in Latvia. There's always a lot to talk about, especially in this unfortunate time that we're uh, kind of going through in this region of the world right now. But um, uh, anyway, Fabrizio, it was great to talk with you and um, you know, get to know you a little bit better. And um, I hope that uh, you enjoyed this conversation. I hope that all of you listening at home uh, enjoyed uh, this as well. So a- anything you'd like to say before we go, Fabrizio? I would say just keep following Latvia Weekly and uh, and uh, thank you very much, Joe, for having me. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to talk to you again one of these days. Yeah, definitely. And uh, it's uh, been a pleasure. So uh, thank you very much, Fabrizio, and thank all of you for listening. And until next time, peace and love, Thank you, Joe. Ciao.